0: You're listening to Fit Girl, your guide to getting in shape, the podcast dedicated to helping you separate fact from fiction in fitness. Stop struggling and learn what really works to get the body you want and keep it. For more details about this podcast and other episodes, visit fitgirlpodcast.com. This is podcast episode number 262. In this episode, how food labels fool you. Fact or fiction in fat loss. Find out if you can eat fast food and lose weight. Learn what the best measurement of weight loss is. And if eating less to lose weight is all you had to do, then why aren't you at your goal weight? One quick thing before we get started, we've been working on live stream workouts. So if you are on our email list, you'll be getting notifications soon of when they're going to be happening and what you have some choices about. You can do one of the workouts that we were testing by going to our YouTube channel, Get Fit TV, and you can find that at the top of the FitGirlPodcast.com website. There's just that little YouTube. Uh, icon just click it and there you go and we're always looking for feedback so any suggestions uh, go ahead and leave a comment or send me an email now these are not elaborate productions basically they're done in a small space in my house because I want to be able to show that you know what you don't need a lot of room to do a really good workout and yes the lighting's not going to be super fantastic because again it's not professional it's just basically showing you that hey You can get a good workout you don't have to be picky about fancy machines or you know good lighting in the gym to make you look pretty in the mirrors whatever you just need to work hard and you can do that anywhere for some reason i always have people telling me what they've eaten that day i don't know why people feel compelled to do this but As trainers, we really don't want to know that because nine times out of 10, you're not eating the right thing for whatever your goal is. And most often when people are telling me what they've been eating, they'll say, well, that's healthy, right? And first off, I want to say that there is a difference between eating healthy and eating to get lean you have a little more leeway when you're trying to eat healthy, but when you're actually trying to drop some weight, then it's a different story. Now, unfortunately, food labels have made it easy to pick the wrong foods, or at least to make it seem like you're eating something healthy when you're not. And that's what you have to be aware of when you are looking at foods. And because there's so many choices now, and some of them have that nice big sticker that says, you know, fat-free or low-calorie or healthy or whatever the case may be. And some of them it really shouldn't even have this sticker because it already was a low-fat product to begin with. Like, for example, ketchup. Well, ketchup never really has had a whole bunch of fat in it. It's really just a lot of sugar. So for it to say low-fat, it, it really always was. It, low sugar would be something different and, and maybe a, a different type of product for ketchup. But again, you're looking at something to catch your eye that really has no meaning. Now in determining what would be a healthy food for somebody trying to lose weight, we're going to talk about that in a little bit as far as what are the numbers you need to look for on those particular labels. But first, let's go through some common food label deceptions such as low-fat versus light versus fat-free. Now in a sense, they kind of all mean the same thing. But sometimes there might be an item that is, like I said with ketchup, already fat-free And then they're going to make it a lighter version. So they're really just maybe taking out half a gram of fat if there was anything in there. Um, And that can be a lower fat version. And a great example of this labeling is Pop-Tarts. And if you compare the label of regular Pop-Tarts and low-fat Pop-Tarts, there's only a difference of one or two grams in fat. So I think one has about two grams of fat and one has about four grams. And in reality, Pop-Tarts are really all sugar, not a whole lot of fat to begin with. So technically, if you're on a low-fat diet, you can have Pop-Tarts. It's just that they're so high in calories and don't have a whole lot of nutrients that you're really not gaining much out of it except for maybe just the enjoyment of having one. So although it appears that the difference is not that great, you know, one or two grams to two or four grams, in reality, they can spin that as being 50% less. Now, 50% less sounds like a lot, except for the fact when you have hardly anything at all and you take 50% of it, you still have hardly anything at all. So it's really not that much of a difference. Now, if you're taking 8 grams of something, or 18 grams of something, and taking half of that, then yeah, that's a, that's a huge impact. So you need to start reading labels and don't just grab something because it says low fat or light. Actually look at the labels and compare it to the original version and see what the differences are. Because sometimes there is very little and maybe even no difference. Now, I know it's shocking, but you can see how a label of 50% less fat on the Pop-Tart would sound phenomenal. You'd think like, oh, i could probably eat the whole box. But the fact is that there's hardly any fat to begin with, so it really makes the whole point somewhat ridiculous to promote. But the marketing companies know people are always in a rush and they're going to grab whatever looks the brightest or has the best words or wording on it. So sometimes stopping to do a little bit of research on the main foods that you choose all the time, because we do tend to eat a lot of the same things, and really determine is it worth it. Um, Sometimes when you're looking at things like mayonnaise, sometimes the light version of the lower fat isn't really that much different than the regular version except for the fact that it might have more preservatives and other weird chemicals that you can't pronounce. So looking at the labels between a real mayonnaise and something that might be low fat or low sugar or whatever and compare them and see if the numbers are similar or if they're drastically different. And if they're slightly similar then look at the ingredients and see if one has more real foods in it that you can pronounce versus the other. And that's how you would make your choice. Now there's another part of the food label that can be very deceptive, and that is your serving size because your concept of a serving size and the food company's concept of a serving size are probably not the same. Take a look at the serving size on the label of a food you might normally eat. And think about it, is that an accurate representation of the amount you would eat? When they say a tablespoon of mayonnaise, are you really measuring a tablespoon or are you just taking a big spoon and hopping it out? And then you need to take every once in a while comparisons and say, okay, I'm going to really measure out one tablespoon, you know, level it off, everything, put it in a little bowl or spot on your plate, and then take out what you would normally use or maybe do one and then the other and compare the two. Many times the regular serving size is a third of what we would normally eat. And that's a huge thing to consider, especially when you're looking at different foods. I mean, it can be the difference between including a food in your meal plan or not. So when you're talking about losing weight, again, it's different between getting lean versus eating healthy, then you need to compare these things. Eating healthy, you can have a little bit more. You don't have to measure it so distinctly. But if you're really trying to drop weight in a shorter period of time, then you really need to know exactly what you're taking in. There's probably been a time where you grab something, maybe some cookies or something, and you're just like, oh, 300 calories for a serving, and five cookies in a serving. Oh, that sounds reasonable. And then all of a sudden you get home and you realize, oh my God, I've had 15 crackers already or cookies or whatever. And now you're like, that's almost a thousand calories. So it can add up really quickly unless you're very diligent about saying, okay, this is the serving size. I'm taking this amount out, setting it down, and putting the rest away until tomorrow. And let's face it, who can do that? It's not very easy to do with certain things. So it might be better to take those kind of foods and leave them for when you are doing your maintenance stage. So let's go through an example of this let's say that your favorite frozen yogurt has four grams of fat per serving and the label shows a serving size as half a cup yet you measure out your normal serving and then you actually measure it with a cup and you realize that your normal serving is actually one and a half cups that means now you have 12 grams of fat instead of the four that they're saying per serving because your serving size Is three times, and that's a big difference. So, if you think you can eat the suggested serving size, which in this case, you know, in frozen yogurt, a half a cup is probably less than your fist size, then sure, go for it. If not, then reconsider, find something else that's going to fit more realistically into a serving size that you would like. I mean, I know sometimes you just want a little taste of something, and then that half a cup will be perfect. And then sometimes you want to really be able to munch on it or whatever and that's where you kind of say, well, let me look at some fruits. Let me look at some other options and see what's going to be realistic and satisfy whatever it is that I want, whether it's a dessert or snack, uh, whatever it is, you want to make sure you're going to be satisfied. Otherwise, you'll be eating all day long. A great way to educate yourself on serving sizes is actually kind of fun too. It's to look at a product and take a guess of how many servings you think the atom has. And then look at the label. So do this just a couple of times and you'll start to get the idea of how deceiving these food labels really are. And it should give you a better understanding of how much of the product you're likely to eat in one serving. It's easy to look at a bag of like flavored rice cakes. And I would probably think that there's going to be two or three servings in there. Because I know I'd probably eat the whole bag, those little medium-sized bags, I guess. Um, Maybe take two servings or two sittings to finish the whole bag. But then when you look at the label, it's telling you there's like eight servings. So perception is one thing, but looking at the numbers and being realistic is another. I think another example of this would be Girl Scout cookies because um, they do tend to come in small packages. And you look at the numbers and then you think, okay, not too bad. But then you can literally sit there and eat the whole box within, I don't know, less than half an hour. Um, I know I've almost done that. And boom, there's the whole thing. So, the other thing when you're figuring out calories and portion sizes and all of this is to do some quick multiplication and take, okay, the amount of calories times the amount of servings. So, if A serving size is 100 calories and there's 10 servings. Well, that's 1,000 calories for that whole bag or whole box or the entire whatever you have in your hand. And that kind of puts it more in perspective as far as, wow, I'm probably going to eat this whole thing and that's 1,000 calories right there. So I either have to be really diligent about only having the true serving size or I have to rethink this. It may seem kind of tedious to have to sit here and calculate things out or think about it or read food labels, but since we normally eat a lot of the same foods, it really won't take long because you'll only have a few of them that you really need to compare. And in the long run, having that information is going to definitely save you time and make your weight loss or your maintenance much easier. Now, the serving size is also used in a little bit of trickery when they tell you that there's only one gram of fat per serving well if a serving size is small to begin with then that's going to add up quickly so how do you know if a serving size has too much fat well for most healthy diets total fat should be no more than 25 percent of your daily calories now that's not talking about weight loss or anything that's just general health so for someone who weighs about 160 pounds that would be about 72 grams a day Now, some of these can be, you know, plus or minus, depending on your goals, your activity level and things like that. But we're just kind of generalizing for the purpose of example. So in this example, let's say the person was trying to pick a food for a snack or maybe a dessert or something. So they'd want to check the total fat to see if it fits into their nutrition plan. And if a particular food shouldn't have more than 72 grams in its entirety, because that basically would be what's allotted for the whole day. So when you do some calculations, you'll find out, ooh, that's that's my whole fat intake for the day. And then, of course, obviously, it's gonna be higher in your calories, too. So foods that get less than 25% of their calories from fat should be the more focal point of your nutrition. So just because a food has a low number of fat grams doesn't necessarily mean it's a healthy, low-fat choice. Now, for example, a reduced-fat whipping cream has one and a half grams of fat per serving and you might assume that this is a low-fat dessert topping something that you can enjoy you know pretty generously however the product is actually 45% fat which might not be too bad if you're only using the little serving size which isn't very much the whipping cream contains only 30 calories per serving so with a little bit of division you can figure out fat percentage for any food. Basically, one gram of fat is equal to nine calories. And remember, protein and carbs are equal to four calories each. So right there, you know that you can have twice as much protein or carb items as ones that are high in fat. So anyways, multiplying that one and a half grams of fat that's in the whipping cream times nine is 13 and a half calories from fat, and that doesn't seem too bad until you realize, hey, it's only 13 calories per serving, and then you divide that out, and you realize that it's 45% fat. Now, on the other hand, you might have a common nutrition bar, and there's some brands I can actually think of that, have, that are really m- more fat than they are protein or healthy-oriented. Um, anyways, they could have five grams uh, per serving of fat. And you might look at it and say, five grams per serving. That sounds like a lot. And you think it's a high fat content, but it really isn't because it actually has 12% of its calories from fat. So here's an example. If a nutrition bar has 380 calories and it's packed with protein and carbs and it only has five grams of fat per serving, it's going to be a good choice. And it's going to be a great way to get some energy and aid in your muscle recuperation. Because when you multiply that out, that 380 calorie bar with 5 grams of fat per serving is only 11 to 12% of its calories from fat, which is actually a very good ratio. So take some time to really look at the labels of different bars and do a couple of Like I mentioned at the beginning of this section, there is a quick trick to help you figure out if something's really good or bad with the food labels, okay? So basically, you wanna look for foods where the grams of carbs are not more than twice the grams of protein. Because there's a lot of foods out there that say they're healthy or have healthy ingredients, but they're really high in carbs and much higher than protein. So this is fine if you're doing endurance type activities like Mountain climbing, but you know if your goal is fat loss, then it's really not the right ratio for you. Um, if there are significantly more carbs than protein, your blood sugar levels won't be as steady or sustained. And a better ratio of protein to carb is what you're going to want to look for. So a bad ratio, one that's got too many carbs, is going to send your body into a zone that might hold on to fat. So again, if you're if you're mountain climbing for hours a day or doing some sort of endurance event then yes, it's appropriate. But if you're looking to lose weight, then you might want to take a better look at the numbers. Now, sometimes something has 20 grams of carbs and 10 grams of protein. Okay, that sounds like it's perfect, it's just twice. And then sometimes it might have, let's say, eight grams of protein and 20 carbs. That's pretty close. But a lot of the things that I see that uh, people screw up on or they think is healthy is products that may have real natural ingredients, but have say 20 grams of carbs and only five grams of protein. So again, there's a difference between eating to be healthy and eating to get lean. In this section, I'd like to call it fact or fiction in fat loss. I think we previously called it diet myths, but the other one sounds a lot more fun. So the question is, can you eat fast food and lose weight? And to be honest with you, the answer is yes. You can have fast food and lose weight if you make an educated choice. And nowadays, that's so much easier because you have all of the menus online, you have all of the nutrient labels online, and even if they're not, they're at the actual restaurants themselves. So the information is out there, and you can make a really strong, educated choice. Now, for example, did you know the Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich has less calories and fat than their Garden Ranch chicken pita? See, I would have thought the other way around, you know, you think Garden Ranch, I mean that chicken pita, that, and that sounds like it would be less, but it's not. Uh, the spicy chicken sandwich actually has about 15 grams of fat, which sounds like a lot of fat, but if you portion out your fat throughout the whole day and do your numbers, there, there is a place for that. Whereas the pita has 18 grams of fat, so I don't know, which one sounds better to you? And I know with Chick-fil-A, because that's really popular here, the um, regular Chick-fil-A sandwich by itself is around 420 calories. So it's pretty much equivalent to um, the example I'm using here. So the main thing is just because something has a whole lot of grams of fat in it doesn't mean that you can't have it. You just have to know its place in your whole day of food. And hopefully it's obvious too that you're not having this every single day either. So every once in a while, you know, taking the kids out for a treat, you can certainly get yourself something. Just do your homework first. So our next fact or fiction in fat loss is eating less to lose weight. Well, if that was true, then everybody would be exactly where they want to be. But it's just not that simple. That's why we have these podcasts to help you understand that and do what you need to do to get where you want to be because it's not as simple as just calories in, calories out. If it was that simple, it would not be an issue. So now that you've already learned in this episode that fat has twice as many calories as protein and carbs, you can understand why if you have a very high fat diet, your calories are going to get used up very quickly. Whereas if you have something that's lower fat and you have proteins and carbs, then you're going to be able to eat a lot more food. Carbs are not the enemy. We need them for muscle retention. We need them for muscle recovery. We need them for energy. We just need to have them with the protein and that starchy carbohydrate, which is your green vegetable, to help slow the absorption in your body. So don't rule them out. They are very, very important. Balance in the diet is very important as well. And that's why a lot of people don't get it right because they're looking for one extreme or the other. So what I promote is not so much losing weight or, you know, eating only these foods or that foods, it's look to boost your metabolism. Do what you can to boost your metabolism because that's going to stay with you for longer than just a couple of pounds lost. So by doing things to boost your metabolism, you're automatically going to lose weight easier because of course your metabolism is up and that's like one of the biggest things I hear from everybody. Oh, I have a slow metabolism. Well, how do you know that? Have you been to the doctor? Have they diagnosed you? No, no, I just can't lose weight. All right. So, and again, there's a difference between people who have a medical condition versus people who just really don't know and just say they can't lose weight because their metabolism is slow. Well, if it is slow, sometimes it has to do with that constant dieting, the up and down and your body losing muscle and just your body not wanting to regulate itself properly. So, The first thing is to do what you can to boost the metabolism. And that's why all of this is so important. It's not just doing exercise. It's not just dieting. It's not just cutting out fats or carbs or whatever. It's a combination and a balanced approach because it's all going to work together. And in the long run, you want your metabolism up or at least as much as you can make it on your own. And you don't want to ruin it. So stop doing those things that do ruin your metabolism like dieting or only eating once or twice a day or doing hours of exercise. Because in all honesty, when people tell me that, oh, diet and exercise don't work for me, I'm just going to be fat. It's like, no, you're not doing the right thing. You're definitely not doing the right thing. And if they don't work for you, it's because it's short term, or maybe it's not the right plan, or maybe you really need to have your whole body and nutrition plan gone over by, you know, a doctor, because there might be some medically compromising situation going on in your body at that needs medicine um, to actually fix it. Sometimes it's not as easy as just doing everything that you're supposed to. So there's always ways to look because the body can change. It's just how much effort we're willing to put into that. And I know you've heard me say it a million times, if getting in shape and staying in shape was easy, then everybody in the world would look great. Now, the last factor fiction in fat loss we're going to go over, and again, you've probably heard this a million times, is that the scale is the best measurement of weight loss. Well, it's not. not. Not at all. Do not step on the scale. It will not show you the truth. It will not change when you want it to change. And when it does change, it's because you've already been working a lot and dropped a bunch of inches. But if you go by the scale, you're going to get frustrated and you're going to quit. And that's why those people that said, oh, I I just can't lose weight. I've tried everything. Well, you probably were stepping on the scale too much and screwing yourself up by basically sabotaging because you get on the scale, you don't see anything change, you give up, you splurge, you say, oh, it's not worth it. It's not working. And, you know, boom, you're right back to where you started and even worse off. So the scale doesn't measure your fat loss. You definitely have to measure yourself. If you're not measuring yourself, you're really not trying to lose weight because that is what you want. You want a smaller body. You don't just want a lighter body. You want a smaller body. And you can have a smaller body that's tight and toned and have more muscle but be heavier or be the same weight. I mean, which would you rather have? Would you have, rather have your scale not change but your entire body change or would you rather have the scale change and your body stay the same? I mean, we really, this is a mindset thing. We really need to work through this because there's a lot going on there that can mess you up really easily. And there's definitely studies out there. Um, You know, I like my proof. And one of them had, let's see, 20 women. They shed 9% of fat by lifting weights twice a week for three months. Now, that doesn't even sound like very much, does it? And that's all while continuing, uh, continuing their normal eating habits. Okay, so their weight on the scale did not change but all of them reported that their clothes fit better. Now, I know that's true because I've been doing my fitness makeover program with clients and at my gym for, gosh, a long time, 15, 20 years now. And there is a laundry list of people who have gotten results anywhere from 30 to 60 days in doing just that, working out two or three times a week with weights, not changing their eating, and not looking at the scale, but strictly going by the measurements. And I'm the one that measured them. So I know the measurements are in the same spot. I know they're going to be exactly the same area, all that kind of stuff. And actually, if you go to my uh, fitnessmakeover.com website, you'll see in the success stories, there's just a slew of people. I mean, it, it works. It just works. But you have to be able to shed that mindset of stepping on the scale. And in that respect, you're probably going to be happy that you're not working with me one-on-one in person because most of the time when my clients try to step on the scale, I smack them not hard or anything, but you know, and, and jokingly and fun, I'm not abusive like that, but basically just a gentle tap reminder that you're not supposed to get on the scale, and that's not going to tell you what you need to know, and you've only been doing your exercise for one day. A change is not going to show up yet, so then we go into the whole lecture um, for the remainder of their workout. So you're getting the lecture here, so you don't have to hear it each time you train, and hopefully it is sinking in. The easiest way to stop stepping on the scale is to move it to another room, move it to your garage, put it someplace that is not easy to get to, and then tell yourself once a month and start doing your measurements, grab your tape measure, make that more accessible than your scale. So it boils down to this, if you're not losing weight like you think you should, then you're not doing the right things. And even if you think you're doing the right things, you obviously are not, or there is some medical situation that you need help with. So if you're really baffled, then contact me for a consultation. Go to the fitnessmakeover.com website or the fitgirlpodcast.com website and let's schedule one because I've been doing this for so long that I can usually pinpoint pretty quickly what's wrong with a program or with an eating plan or even just with somebody's mindset that's keeping them from getting the body they want. As always, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I look forward to giving you all the insights to help you reach all of your goals and to help you get your best body ever. If you'd like additional information on these topics and more articles on health, nutrition, and motivation, visit fitnessmakeover.com, allinoneworkout.com, or coachkira.com.